Welcome to the weekly podcast from Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. For more information about Faith Community, please visit our website at www.faithcommunitychurch.net or check us out on Facebook by searching Faith Community Church Janesville. You can also reach us by email at podcast at faithjanesville.org. You can be a part of this ministry and help advance the kingdom by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a five-star review. This helps us spread the word of God in the podcast world, allowing us to better reach more people in the name of Christ. Have you ever bought flowers for someone when you were mad at them? It's weird. (laughs) I go up to the counter and I get the happiest girl in the world, my luck. Yeah, I'd like to have some flowers. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) What kind of flowers are you going to get her? The cheapest kind you got. (laughs) Matter of fact, cut off the heads and wrap the stems. (laughs) No, I didn't do that. My marriage is a vehicle that God handcrafted so that his power, his glory, his calling can flow through my marriage to everybody in my life and children and beyond. My marriage is a vehicle that God built for his glory to reign. Morning. So, Pastor Jesse wants to remind you to register today. So the conference is going to be here live. It's not a stream. It's not a simulcast. Matt will be here in person this coming Saturday, 8.30 to 12.30 for the marriage seminars. $50 per couple. If you can't afford that and you want to go, we'll make sure you go. We'll make sure you can go. Just let us know that you need some help. But... If you can't go to the whole thing, so I can only make three hours, I can only make two and a half, make those three hours. If you hear something that makes your marriage better, is that worth $50? If you hear something that can change your marriage, maybe for the rest of your life, is that worth a few hours on a Saturday? I think so. And then Matt will be here sharing in all our weekend services. So he'll be preaching Saturday night, Sunday morning at 8.30, 10 o'clock, not in the Spanish but he will be here uh, that next Sunday to preach as well. And if you miss the seminar and you hear him preach, you're going to wish you'd gone to the seminar. So Pastor Jesse says, register today. And that'll make his job a whole lot easier. So you go to faithcommunitychurch.net forward slash around the bases, or there's a piece of paper that you can grab outside in the narthex on your way out that guides you through the process. If you're on Facebook today, um, you can go there if you're watching on YouTube. Just go to our, our website or our Facebook page. And we want to welcome, by the way, those of you who are online, however you're watching this morning, we're so glad you're here with us as we worship the Lord and as we study the life of Jesus together. And so I would encourage you, uh, all of you today, we have a baptism. So I'm cutting my message short. And so if you want to hear the whole message I would go and listen to the 8.30 service, okay? So definitely watch the baptism. But even you're watching online, 
Do you want to hear a long, the longer version? Uh, and who doesn't want to listen to a longer sermon, right? Uh, then go to the 8.30 stream, and you'll hear this is the condensed version. So here's our bookmark for this week, where we're at in the life of Jesus. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So now he has gone through the temptation. He has come out of the wilderness. He is going to go home. He's going to go to his home church in his hometown. He's going to go where he is familiar, where he is known, where he is loved. Jesus is beginning his ministry. So at this point, he doesn't really have enemies. But that's not going to last long. He's going to have enemies really soon. He's going to say something so controversial, so extreme, that they're going to go from loving him to wanting to kill him in just a matter of minutes. Right? What's he going to say that's going to be so bad? You know, if, if I'm giving my first talk, if I'm a CEO, I'm going to say, here's what our company's about. Here's our goals as a company. Here's what we want to be. Here's our values. If I'm a coach, and the first time I talk to my team, I tell them what's expected of them as players and how we're going to play the game. And we're going to run out every, every hit. Run, you know, we're just going to hustle. And here's what we're going to do, right? If you are a president, you're going to give a speech and say, here's the way the country is going to go. Here's what we need to do. I remember our first sermon as a church was in a hotel January 7th, 1990. And my first sermon was, here's the kind of church we're going to be. Here's the people we're going to reach. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's our mission. Here's our vision. So when Jesus gives his first talk, it's really important you understand he is setting the tone. He's saying, here's what I have come to do. Here's what I have come to be. And when we look at the ministry of Jesus and we look back on it, when we were through with the Gospels, we could look back to Luke 4 and say, that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. And so this inauguration speech is really important. It's really important because Jesus says, here's who I am. Before we read what he had to say, we're going to read the passage that he quoted from in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. The prophecy in Isaiah, it's the Messiah speaking. The Messiah is the anointed one. You say in Greek, you pronounce it Christ. In Hebrew, Messiah. But in both languages, it means the anointed one. And everybody understood that this is a messianic prophecy, that this scripture is about the coming Messiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. What does vengeance of our God mean? Vengeance of our God means wrath, judgment. That Israel has been oppressed by the Babylonians, by the Medes and the Persians, by the Greeks, and at the time when Jesus read this, by the Romans. And so passages like this brought the Jewish people great hope because they knew that God someday would send a Redeemer, and the Redeemer would bring judgment. The Redeemer, the Messiah, would be this political, spiritual, military person, kind of all rolled into one from God 
who would usher in a time of peace and prosperity and set up reign, set up a government in Israel and would reign there. And there would be world peace. And the way peace would come is through conquering the enemies of the people of God. And so that's the day of vengeance of our God. So Jesus comes to his hometown in his home church, and he is invited to read from the scriptures. At some point, when you've grown up someplace, at some point, if you leave, when you come back, even though it's your hometown, you're kind of like a guest. Now, when I, I'm from Rockford, and I served at a church in Rockford for almost eight years before coming here, and I had to go back home last Sunday night to get some, you know, to preach and ordain some people and all that stuff, and they introduced me, and they gave me a standing ovation, you know. That was nice, right? And I certainly wouldn't want to tick them off. I would want them to like me. I would, they gave me an ovation, and I, and I, I think to myself, well, you haven't heard my sermon yet, but <laughs> I hope when I'm done, you still like me. Jesus receives all these accolades, and you'd think Jesus would just want that to continue, right? They love me. I want them to continue to love me. But Jesus comes knowing that he's going to pick a fight. He knows it's going to go south. But he says what he has to say anyway. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He's already getting famous. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. His popularity level is off the charts. His approval rating is off the charts. They love him. That's about to change. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news or the gospel. The word good news means gospel. The gospel, the good news to the poor. And by the way, each of these phrases has a double meaning. Jesus would minister to the poor, literal, physical poor, but he would also minister to the poor who had been robbed by sin. You know, sin makes promises it can't keep. It, it writes checks it can't keep. I watch a show called American Greed on TV from time to time. You know, and they'll have these schemes, these Ponzi schemes, and these frauds. And they're thinking, if I just had money, I'd be happy. And sin ends up robbing. They rob from people, and then they're caught, and then sin robs from them. Or they're unhappy in their marriage, and they say, if I just have an affair, I'll be happy. But they're not. Their life comes apart, Right? And so sin doesn't deliver on its promises. It robs from you. It makes you spiritually poor and bankrupt. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. I'm sure Jesus might have gone to a prison. It doesn't tell us that in the gospel, but not everything Jesus did and said is in the gospels. John tells us that. John says if everything Jesus did and said was written down, the whole world couldn't contain what he did and said. We just have some of what he said, some of what he did. So perhaps he did go to the prison, but what this really means is those captive by sin. Jesus says, whatever a man is overcome by, by that he is enslaved. He says, I've come to free those who've been captive from sin. They're in bondage to sin. 
Recovery of sight to the blind. Did he heal the blind? Yes. He healed the physically blind, but he also healed the spiritually blind, enabling to see God's truth and see who they were and know how much they mattered to God and to set the oppressed free. Those who've been living under bondage to sin, I have come to set them free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. Notice what he did not say. What did he not say? We read Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. What did he not say? The vengeance of our God. Why did he not say that? He had not come to bring that. He would not come to, he stops right in the middle of a verse. Right in the middle. I'm sure the scroll had those words. I'm sure it wasn't a mistake. It's not an oversight. It's intentional. He had not come to bring wrath and judgment. He had come to bring grace. He had come to bring forgiveness and pardon and redemption. And so intentionally, Jesus does not say the vengeance of our God. But he gives it back, and everybody's waiting for him to speak. And he says, saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's a radical thing to say. What is he saying? He says, number one, who is this passage about in Isaiah? It's about me. And number two, when is it going to be fulfilled? Today. That's a radical thing. If you don't think that's radical, what if I read an Old Testament prophecy and said, by the way, guys, this is about me. This is literally about me, this prophecy in the Old Testament. You probably should find another church at that point, right? Because I'm either off my nut or I'm trying to get a cult going, right? You shouldn't pay attention when a guy says this prophecy is about me unless it really is about him. Or... You know, Jesus, the other thing I think about that is when he says, this is about me and it's fulfilled today, that you might think there might be some pushback to that. But actually there's not. When he says that, it says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. We know Joe. We know Jesus. He made some of the furniture that's in our house. He made the yoke that our oxen use when we plow our fields. We know Jesus. And if Jesus is the Messiah and you know him, what happens to your stock? It goes up, right? If someday somebody you know is elected to the president of the United States, people are going, you know the president? Oh, yeah. You know the Messiah? Oh, we know Jesus. We sat in the pew right behind him in the synagogue. Oh, I shared a hymn with him once. Oh, yeah, we go on in the carpenter shop all the time. Oh, we know Jesus. Our kids used to play together. So they want this. The Messiah's from their town, from their church, and they know him. It's all good. We don't have any problems with it. This is the one who is then going to bring in this time of peace and prosperity. Apparently, Jesus is going to be the one to, to lead a group to conquer the Romans. We're going to be free. And we know him, hometown hero, hometown boy makes good. At this point, if I'm Jesus, I would have just left. Because they all love me, right? Everybody loves me. Okay, great, thank you. But Jesus doesn't stop there. 
He starts digging a hole. And he's going to dig it so deep he can't get out. He's going to dig it so deep that they want to kill him. Jesus said, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And he will say to me, do in your hometown what you did, we, we heard you did in Capernaum. If you're going to do things in Capernaum, certainly you're going to do things for us. We're your homies. We're your peeps. You love us. You're from us. You know, you love us more than anybody, right? So do some of that stuff here. Jesus says, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. They don't think of him as a prophet at this point, but he is. Prophet means oracle. He's a spokesman for God. And the thing about prophets, they don't care if you like them or not. Prophets only care about one thing, saying what God told them to say. Jeremiah is not a popular guy. Jonah wasn't a popular guy. Elijah wasn't popular. Isaiah wasn't popular. They didn't care if they stepped on your toes. They just said, here's a message from God. Here's what God told me to say. That's what they care about. So Jesus is going to tell them a message from God that they don't necessarily want to hear or accept. And here it is. And see if you can't find out what made them so mad that they want to try to kill Jesus. He says, I assure you that there were many widows in Elijah's time, in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine in the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. You remember this story in 1 Kings 17? She's starving, there's a famine, and Elijah says, make me a cake. And she says, we don't, I'm going to make my last cake and my son and I are going to die. We don't have any food left. And he says, make me a cake first. And you'll always have flour and you'll always have oil and it'll never run out. And so she honors that. She honors that message from God and she always has flour and she always has oil. So Jesus tells him the story about this widow from the region of Sidon. And there was many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elijah the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. We read his story not long ago in 2 Kings 5, right? He's this general and he gets leprosy. And they say, hey, there's a miracle worker named Elisha in Israel. And he goes, and Elijah doesn't even come out to see him. Elijah just sends a messenger and says, go dunk in the Jordan seven times. And when you come up the seventh time, you'll be cleansed. And he gets ticked off, and he says, I thought he'd at least come out here and wave his hands, do that miracle stuff. He doesn't even come out himself, and he tells me to dip in these muddy waters. I had better water where I lived. And the guy says, we've come a long way. And if he would have asked you to do something great, you'd do it. But all he wants you to do is just dip in the river. What do you got to lose? We're already here. And so Naaman obeys, and he's cleansed from leprosy. Okay, so those are the two stories that Jesus tells. They're in the Bible. They're in the Old Testament. These people would have read those two stories. Look what happens in verse 28. All the people in the synagogue, how many? All of them were furious when they heard this. They were furious when they heard stories from the Bible? Why? They got up, drove him out of the town. I don't mean, they don't drive him out of town in a Chevy. Drive means it's a lynch mob, right? This crowd grabs him, and they take him to the edge of town. And they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off. That's how you stone people. You don't stone people in the Bible days by by throwing rocks at them, you throw them off a little cliff. 
and they break their legs or they break an ankle or something, they can't walk, and then you drop big stones on them until they die. It's horrible. But that's what they want to do to Jesus. And then they get their first miracle, and it says, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Love to have been the first two guys in the line, right? You're going to get what you deserve. Where'd he go? You know, I thought you had what, what, what you, you know, they're looking all around. Where is he? Right? And he's gone. He just walks away. He passes right through. So why are they so mad? Have you figured it out? Why are they so mad at Jesus? They want to kill him just because he told them some stories in the Bible. Let's take a look at the map of the region for a moment. We'll put it up here on the wall. There's my infinity view over here. I think we were set up for the baptism, so that's what took time. Okay. So, is there any way to get me off of that? No? There we go. Okay. All right. So, here's Israel, Judah right here. Okay? So, we go over Galilee and down here, the Dead Sea, and over here to, to the coast of the Mediterranean. All right? Here we go. Where's the woman from? She's from right here, right? Remember? Zarephath, she's in Phoenicia, right here on the coast where we have Lebanon today. And where was Naaman from? Naaman. Naaman's right here. He's in Syria. We have Damascus today, right? We have Syria today. What, what's common about those countries? Where do they lie? Outside of Jerusalem, right? Outside of Israel, don't they? That's not necessarily bad. You know, there were people who converted to follow Yahweh, and they became circumcised. And they became followers of Yahweh, and the Jews welcomed them. But here's the problem. Outside of the city is who? It's foreigners. Outside of our country are idolaters. These nations don't serve our God. They worship idols. They've rejected the God of heaven. And you are our Messiah. You were sent to us. And now you have the gall, you have the audacity to think that you're going to tell us that you're, the, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I am the redeemer for who? The world. I've not come just for you. I have come for everybody. I have come for those idolaters that you hate. Those idolaters that you hate, those idolaters that you think are horrible people in those countries, it wasn't a race thing. It wasn't a geography thing. It was a moral thing. Those people are amoral. They don't worship our God. And you're telling us, Jesus, that you are the fulfillment of this messianic promise, but you're not just coming for us and to redeem Israel. Remember what, what do Peter and the disciples say in Acts chapter 2? When Jesus is resurrected, they say, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel, right? What are they talking about? They're talking about the day of the vengeance of our God. Jesus had come to redeem. Jesus had come as a spiritual redeemer, not as a physical redeemer at this point in time. And they're upset and mad at him because you're our Messiah, and you're trying to tell us that the people who live in other countries matter to God as much as we do, the chosen people? That's crazy. That's wrong. You're here to deliver us. 
We're the people of God. But here's what they didn't understand. Jesus did not come to bring deliverance. Jesus did not come to bring deliverance. Jesus came to be deliverance. And that cross behind me, when God took on flesh, he'd be nailed to a cross. He himself would become the sin offering. He himself would become the redeemer of mankind. And people still don't get it. People think they become Christians so they can be better people. Why do you go to church? Why do you listen to sermons? I want to be a better person. And I just feel like it'll make me a better dad or a better husband or a better wife or a better mother or a better friend or a better employee. It'll make me a better person. Jesus did not come to make you a better person. What? That's blasphemy. I want to kill you. Jesus did not come to make you a better person. Jesus came to make you a new person. A completely different person than you used to be. Not the same person. Not a new and improved you. A different you. It says in Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a little bit better than they used to be. Is that what it says? It's not what it says, right? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone the new is here, Paul says. You can be new in Christ today. You don't have to be the same person as when you walked in here. You don't have to be the same person that tuned into this program today. You can come to Christ, repent of your sins, receive him as Savior and Lord, be forgiven of your past, given his Holy Spirit, imparted the gift of salvation and become new from the inside out. This is not a self-help project. This is new construction, folks. New people. That's what Jesus came to do. And they didn't understand his message. Do you? Do you get it? And if you get it, it shouldn't make you mad like it made them mad. It should made you happy because guess what? You're a Gentile. That's what they had in common. They were Gentiles. They weren't followers of Yahweh. And because they were idolaters, they deserved judgment and wrath. And Jesus says, they matter to God. He says, they matter to God. They've always mattered to God. He says, look at your Bible. Who did he heal? Who had leprosy? Only Nahum. The Gentile. What widow did he bring prosperity to in the famine? Only one. She was a Gentile. The message of Luke 4 is that Jesus came for everybody. That God loves all of us. And that we all matter to him. Would you pray? Father, we are touched today by this time of mission for Jesus. As he states what he has come to do, he has come to free those who are captive to sin, those who are blind, who walk in darkness, those who are prisoners. He has come to set them free. And we will look back on the life and the ministry of Jesus and his work upon the cross and his resurrection as he conquers sin in the grave.
We see that he accomplished exactly what he said he would do. And the good news is that Jesus is alive. The good news is he still offers redemption. That God still loves the world. That Christ still died for all of us. That new life is still available in him. And that doesn't make us angry. That makes our hearts rejoice because of the gracious God that we serve and the gracious Savior who redeemed us. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to, do you want him to stand? Josh, should we stand? Sing a little, sing a song? And we have baptism. Shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the street, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Come on, let's shout it out now. Shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, it's your name is power. I know there is peace within his presence. I speak Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you are good, that you are faithful through every storm, through every trial. And God, we praise you this morning, and we know and we declare that there is power in your mighty name. 
There is healing in your name. At the sound of your name, darkness trembles, the enemy flees. So God, help us to speak that name with boldness. Help us to declare that name over the enemy. To confidently stand on the name of Jesus. Father, we love you. And we praise you this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. Pastor Tim. Well, we're so glad that you can join us for this uh, momentous occasion talking about baptism. We, uh, we had a class last, uh, last week and talked about the significance of baptism. And a lot of the people that are getting baptized, or some of the people who are getting baptized today have been baptized before, but it was at a time where they don't remember. They were young, and they were maybe sprinkled when they were young, and, and it was something that their parents decided for them to do. But now they understand that this is a commitment that they're making of their own choice, their own free will to follow after Christ. Pastor Jeff was talking about being a new creation, and God does a transformational work in us. We've got six baptisms today. And so I want to invite our first baptizee to come forward. And uh, if you don't know Gracie, she is a gem. So. I will be reading the testimonies of each of our baptizees. We've got five baptisms that Pastor Jeff is going to do. And then Pastor Jeff and I are going to switch places. And he's going to read the testimony for Al. But this is Gracie's testimony. She says, hi, my name is Gracelyn Cranky. And this is my testimony of asking Jesus into my heart. My story starts when my mom and dad were having a hard time having children. My mom had three miscarriages before having me. My parents had a lot of people praying for me and, and them. And my dad came up with the name Graceland because it means the beautiful grace of God. And so that's why my name means a lot to me. About five years later, I was questioning my mom about sin. She told me that all sin, uh, that all sin so that is why we need Jesus. Later that night, she asked me if I wanted to pray and repent of my sins. That night in late August of 2016, I asked Jesus into my heart. My favorite verse is, call to me and I will answer you and tell you the great and unsearchable things you do not know, Jeremiah 3.33. It teaches me to have faith in God no matter what I face. That's a good testimony, Gracie. Thank you. Now... I got to bring this out in the open. I understand that I wasn't your first choice to be baptized by it. It was Mike Powers, the youth pastor, but I'm the second choice. So I'll take it. I'll take it. A little hurt, but I, I still love you. No, I'm not. I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. We're just rejoicing, watching you grow up and, and come to know Jesus and love him. And we can see his light and life in you. I'm going to have you go right here and just cover your nose. Gracie, upon profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you desire to serve and follow him all the days of your life. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. All right. You're welcome. Amen. Next, we have Samuel Elijah Fetting. Sam, Sammy, coming out here. He says, my testimony is that he answered my prayers. He saved me from sin. Simple and sweet. 
He says, uh, he shares with us Psalm chapter 37, verses 1 and 2. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Be, uh, neither thou be envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. I love God. That's it, man. That's it. That's good stuff. Same farm for your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your desire to serve and follow him all the days of your life. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Next, we have Melvin Arneson. Mel is probably the oldest person that we've baptized anytime recently. He's, a, he's, a, he's been around for a while. 93, and finally getting baptized. Excited for that. And he's a part of our, our Tuesday morning men's Bible study and a great blessing to, to us. Mel says, as I have studied the Bible and read about biblical baptism, I believe that we're with the congregation as my witness and as a child of the Lord that this is the right thing to do in the eyes of the Lord. From 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I just want to add one more thing that in our men's Bible study, he is the one working the hardest at memorizing the scripture for, uh, for growing up together, and uh, he's doing a great job, and it's probably hardest for him as well. So, so grateful for what he brings to our group. Yeah, and I think, you know, Mel, his, him being here, just show, it's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to follow God's command to be baptized. And so, Mel, we're very proud of you today. We love you very much. So this is the, this is the 10 o'clock service. You're an 8.30 guy, but they're nice too, so you can come and see them once in a while. But, uh, but we're honored, we're honored that, that uh, we get to do this, be, to perform this baptism and witness this baptism through obedience and your faith in Christ. I'm going to have you turn this way. For some reason, I'm a left-handed baptizer. Yeah, there you go. Now, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your desire to serve and follow him all the days of your life, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus' name. Yeah, brother. Yeah. yeah. I don't have They've been telling me for years that I'm all wet, so yeah. I am pretty wet here. All right, next. Following Mel, we have Virginia Ellen Leffler, another sweetheart. Uh, she says, I was raised Lutheran most of my life. I went to a Baptist church with my brother, and I wanted to follow the Lord in the way that you get baptized. I love the church where I am now. So, so grateful that, that Virginia can join us as well. Virginia is another one of those who was uh, baptized a while back and just feels like that the Lord was leading her to do this at this time. 
once they are getting into baptismal, if you've never been baptized, even as an adult, and you've been a Christian for a while, I know for myself, uh, it was not until I was an adult that I was baptized, and it's, it's a special time for you to, to draw a line in the sand and commit to who you're living for, and you will never forget that, even in the dark times where you are low and Satan's got you knocked down, you remember who you belong to, and it's, it just gives you hope and peace. Thirty service as well. Virginia. Virginia. I know it's Virginia. I'm sorry. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day, your brother was driving by and saw our sign, Howard, and said, "What's this church about?" Howard came, and shortly after Howard came, you came, and you are here to say your public profession, your belief in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Virginia, we rejoice with you today. Virginia, upon your faith and your confession of the Lord Jesus Christ, your desire to serve and follow him all the days of your life, I baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Okay, next up we have Paul Hazeltine. Long time waiting for Paul to get baptized, so I'm glad he's here today. And I'm going to start reading his testimony because, see, he's a very uh, wordy person, so he has a lot to say. And if you know Paul, he's got a lot more to share. If you, if you have time, he'd love to share it with you. Paul says that when I was young, I saw a picture of Jesus with children sitting around him. I remember thinking, I want to be one of those children. It looked peaceful, loving, and caring. Life was not easy for him when I was young, or, or for him when he was young, but uh, he had a rock, and it was my, his grandmother. Okay, I'm going to read it the way he wrote it. <laughs> I felt the same kind of feeling when I would go visit her, peaceful, loved, and cared for. When I was 15 on Christmas Day, my grandma passed away from a heart attack in front of my family and me. My world changed that day. With what happened that day and my parents' divorce a few years before that, I became extremely, extremely angry at God and didn't want to have anything to do with him. Selfishness took over, and I would go on a 28-year self-destructive path that included some addictions. I didn't care. I led a double life during that time, and I felt that I was living in hell. One day in 2011, I did not want to live like this anymore. I couldn't keep up with the lies, the dishonesty with everyone and with myself, and the, the hurt that I was causing and the destructive path that I was leaving. After part of my double life was exposed, I felt I had to come out and confess everything, but the thought scared me so much that I had a thought of a different plan, an easier plan, wanting to take the easier plan. Thoughts and images of my children came into my head, and I was torn. Conflicted for several minutes, I started to pray. My heart was breaking into a million little pieces. I was at a crossroad with the images of my children in my head. I knew my decision. I finally had enough and cried out, God, if you're real and you're there, I need you now. 
It's as though God picked me up off the ground, put his arm around me, and said, this is what you're going to do. The steps he told me to do started a 10-year journey that I would never have imagined I would go through. It has been very difficult. I have tons of victories and failures. But I know he has walked with me and has been there because of the people he has put in my life to help me carry through carry me through the difficulty in getting where I am today. I have seen the fruits of the Spirit and the promises come true. I have felt the peace, grace, and mercy of God. And as my faith grows, I have realized that I need Jesus in every aspect of my daily life, uh, daily, sometimes minute by minute. I hang on to the day I called out to him. All he asks from me is a relationship with him, and today I profess I will give him that. And he shares Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Call upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your desire to serve and follow him all the days of your life. And I'll baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Next up, we have Alejandro Nieves. I apologize if I mispronounce your name. Um, Alejandro's statement is, God has always loved me and my family. Jesus has guided my life and my family's future. I, as a person and father, would have been lost without him. He is my heavenly father, which I love and care for. Amen. So proud of you, Al. Al, do you, do you profess Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. And it is your desire to live him for him all the days of your life? Yes, I do. Then upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Lord, Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> stand. Lord God, this is such a, an immense blessing that we get to do this. We get to share this proclamation of your truth. And that's what this is. The sacrament of baptism, God, it is these people are showing not just the world and not just us, and but showing themselves. They are committed to you, Lord. This is one of the most amazing and holy experiences we get. Lord God, we, we ask that this congregation would come around these people and come around each other. And as you tell us to, to lift them up, 
and show them that what they've done today is, is that sign of this family we all are. Lord, we pray that the words that you used Pastor Jeff for would be imprinted upon our hearts. As we go about our lives, Lord, we ask that you would embolden us all to show this same level, this, this same power in how we live our lives so that the rest of the world can see this same beauty and glory that we all got to experience today. We pray for your mercy and grace over this church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're in need of prayer, please come up front.
Thanks for tuning in to the Faith Community Church Podcast. We are glad that you joined us and hope that you were blessed by the message. If you would like to join us in the ministry of sharing the Word of God, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. This helps us build the analytics of the channel, allowing us to better reach people in the name of Christ. Go be the light in your family, your community, and your church. God bless you.